there isn't anything that even remotely comes close to the cost per impression that a truck wrap will bring. So think about how much it costs to rent a billboard for a month and how many impressions that will deliver versus a truck wrap that has a five-year life expectancy and how many impressions that will generate over the course of its lifetime. I've got Dan Antonelli on the line with me from Kick Charge. He has just written a fantastic new book. I've got it in my hands. It's beautiful. It might be the the most beautiful book I've ever had my hands on. It's got this beautiful matte finish on the front, color pages all the way through, branded, not blended. Now, if you know who Dan is, which most of you should because most of you who listen are in the home service space, and he has done so much work for companies like yours. If you haven't made the switch to a new brand, you've got to listen to this, and I'm sure you're going to want to contact Dan after you hear this podcast. Dan, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jim. It is so great to have you here. I've heard you for a while talk about people who really don't have the right brand, and they may think that they do. And the title of your book is perfect, and I've seen you speak about this, Branded, Not Blanded. You talk about the white van syndrome. Talk a little bit about the problem that many service providers have but don't know it. I think the biggest problem that most have is that so many home service service companies deliver a great service. They just don't look like they do. So if you were to judge them by their appearance, you're not thinking that you're going to get a five star experience if you hire them. Um, Of course, many of them after they ring the doorbell and they're inside the home and they're providing a service, they do a great job. And the customer is left with that great feeling. But good branding is really designed to control how that consumer feels before that interaction even takes place. Uh, Because if it's not done well um, with the branding, you may not even get the opportunity to ring the doorbell in the first place. Um, So the book definitely talks a lot about consumer psychology behind brands, talks about marketing to women, which is one of the most important demographics that you need to be marketing a home service business to. Um, It talks about how to make them feel at ease and have them make them believe something positive about the experience that they might get should they choose to hire you. Dan, it's so important how you project yourself, your brand, whether it's you coming to the front door in a uniform, and the uniform might be just a nice pair of jeans or khakis with a logoed shirt and an ID badge, but it it goes much further than that. It goes to what your website looks like, to your vehicles, to all of your branding, and I love what you guys do over at Kick Charge because you look at what the company does. So you just don't create something. I know you go through a process, and you and I haven't talked about this before, but I know you go through a process where you 
immerse yourself into the company. You understand it. And of course, I know that you understand the industry that that company is in that you're trying to help. And you formulate this new brand. Sometimes you come up with mascots and some other great branding. And it's always superb. And and I know a lot of your clients, and some of your clients are my clients, they say Dan and his team got it right. And at first I wasn't so sure, but he got it right. So talk a little bit about the process of what you guys do when you take on that project at first. What's the process? Yeah, absolutely. I, we, we certainly start the process by talking about the goals, talking about where that company looking to go, um, what they want to be perceived as. Um, we also ask questions about how they stand in the market, whether they're more a premium service provider, um, really you know, striving to get higher average tickets, trying to really look more professional, or if they're kind of middle in the road currently. Um, and then we want to look at what is actually happening in the competitive space. So who are the brands that you typically compete against? Um, we research what those brands look like, what color schemes those brands use, what genres perhaps those brands are in, um, obviously what their trucks look like um, as well. And then we we come up with a game plan as far as how can we do something that is different in this market that is unique and that is disruptive. Um, and certainly disruptive branding is is talked a lot about in the book as far as what that really means. But the idea is to try to do something different than what everyone else is doing. Um, and to your point earlier, when you say about, you know, the, the customers, you know, not not at first knowing if what we were providing was the right solution for them. And then, of course, you know, trusting us and going ahead and doing it and then experiencing it and, and realizing that it was the right move for them. Um, it's very challenging for any owner to really um, want to zig when everyone else is zagging. OK, so, you know, it's very comfortable to create a brand for someone that looks similar to what all their competitors are doing. Like that's comfortable because I know this is what everyone else is doing. That feels really second nature to me. And I'm coming in and I'm saying, listen, all these people are doing it this way. We're going to do it the opposite way. We're going to do something that doesn't even feel like it's in the right realm of these other companies. Um, and so that takes guts. Um, that takes um, a good amount of trust as well. And um, I respect that. Like, I understand that that's a challenge for some owners because they're, they're very used to seeing things done a certain way, even the way their own brand has has been communicated over the years. And I'm coming in and I'm saying, listen, everyone's going in this direction. We're going to go in the opposite direction because I don't want their brand to be confused with anything else that that consumer has seen before. I don't want them to think that that brand is perhaps similar to something that they've seen before in that very marketplace. Um, that's one of the reasons why color is so important. That's one of the reasons why um, the approach is so critical. So if you go into a market and there's five vans and, and four out of the five are red, white, and blue, well, then we're not going to put another red, white, and blue van in that particular market because I can't own that color scheme. Um, so looking at those opportunities is part of the process. So you identify what is happening in that market. Um, and, and, and the irony of that, Jim, is, is honestly some of these um, companies that they're competing against, they may be huge companies, right? They may be, you know, so much larger than the company we're rebranding. Uh, and yet that huge company has weak branding. 
they're complacent. They've been using the same branding for a long time. They're not going to change. Uh, and that's great for us. Like I, I love those opportunities because I know that they're not doing anything innovative. Um, you know, they're just, you know, they're blanded. That's what they are. And so, so what do the bigger companies that are blanded need to do? Well, they, they need to spend more on their marketing because it's not disruptive. So I, I think we probably work with a lot of smaller companies whose marketing budgets aren't nearly what the big competitors are. And we get their work, their marketing to just work a lot smarter, a lot harder um, and make it go further. So we love it when our clients are spending less than 5% of revenue. That's generally where we want most of our clients to live. Um, and we've definitely seen that to be more common as far as how much they actually need to spend on their marketing spends compared to uh, these larger companies. So, so the, you know, the bottom line, Jim, you can spend your way out of a shitty brand. Like you just need to spend more money. Like it's just going to cost more money. Um, and I just look at it and saying, my clients don't have the luxury to, to spend their way out of a, a crappy brand. We want them to have a brand that doesn't need a ton of money to support it. And the way you can do it is just build a great brand. Yeah. And Dan, that's what I love about what you guys do at Kick Charge because you can, for not a lot of money, and at first some people might say, well, gosh, that's a huge investment, but that's just the, the thing. It's an investment, guys. And this is your new identity. It, yes, it's a facelift. And when you walk out the door, you're going to look different. People may not recognize you, but you're going to be better looking. And you're going to be different. And I tell people all the time when I speak, Dan, I'm like, why are you doing in marketing, advertising and promotion what everyone else is doing? Why are you, you know, if that guy is a billboard, you have to have one. If that guy's doing radio, if that guy's doing TV, why are you doing what everyone else is doing? Okay. You need to be the plumber and the electrician and the roofer. That's fine, and you need to stick to those standards. But as far as presenting yourself to the community, you've got to do it differently. I mean, I just I just love what you guys do. When I first started seeing what you've been doing for not just home service companies, but I'm in the home service space, so I can identify with that. I'm like, wow, always a great new image, a great new brand that's unique. And I can see why some of the business owners get a little anxious, but they almost always say, like about 100% of the time, I'm glad we made the change and we see such increases in our business. Can you talk a little bit about what the average increase can be or what you've seen before in revenue when a company goes through a change like this? Well, a couple couple points on what you just what you just spoke about, Jim. So, f first off, if if the owner approaches the rebrand with the mindset that what they're getting is just a logo, and I, I'm going to put that in, you know, air quotation marks, just a logo, then then they're really missing the point of what the brand can do for them. And it's and it's not just something that's going to help with average tickets. It's not something that's going to help them um, close more sales or make their marketing work even harder. It also has so much to do with culture. And I think that that is sometimes the biggest surprise that owners experience after the rebrand um, is how the rebrand affects culture. 
And most people don't come to us and say, hey, Dan, uh, we want to rebrand because we want to make it a better culture at our at our workplace. And that's that's really not what they come to us for. But it becomes one of the benefits of the rebranding. And, and you hear so many companies talk about the challenges of, of recruitment and they say, you know, Dan, we can't get anybody to work for us. No one wants to work for us. It's so hard to find employees, et cetera. And then you look at their brands and you look at, you know, their trucks and the uniforms and, and how they, they basically project who they are to the community. And, and a lot of times it's no shock why that, why they can't recruit because it doesn't look like a place that people want to work for. Um, and so, you know, those are just some of the hidden benefits that come with that, that rebrand. Um, and I think, you know, you see the crazy results as far as ROI. I mean, we, we have a, a page on our website that has probably 40 or 50 examples of ROI in terms of revenue prior to rebranding and revenue after rebranding. And, and most of them, you know, within two years are, are at least 100 um, percent increase in revenue um, after rebranding. Some of them are a lot more. Some of them have lowered numbers like like there's a company that has, you know, it says only 45 percent, but it went from, you know, something like 10 million to 15 million. So it doesn't actually sound as impressive. When, but when you think it added five million dollars worth of revenue in two years, it's an impressive number, too. So so Tommy Mellows, as an example, was 30 million dollars before we rebranded him. And I think it's 24 months later or 36 months later. And I think he's over 100 million at this point. So, I mean, that's a 300 percent increase or, or 300 plus. But you know, Tommy's just another, you know, just great example of someone who didn't look at what he was doing and say, hey, I'm at $30 million and there's no way I would ever rebrand because everyone knows who I am. And instead he knew it wasn't a great brand. He knew it was affecting recruitment and his marketing spend, his culture. Um, and, um, you know, it's been a, a, a very significant change in, in environment. And, and uh, you know, again, just Tommy's not a guy that's very complacent. So, you know, those are definitely some of the hallmarks we see of some of the most successful entrepreneurs that we work with is that these are guys that are not complacent. These are guys that are not just sitting around and saying, hey, everything we're doing today is good enough for tomorrow and we should never change because it's working. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, it's it's everything. All their success is great, but it's been success in spite of poor branding, not because of it. So I, I look at those companies and I see such opportunity because I'm like, wow, these guys are, are doing well with this really poor brand. Imagine what they could do if they really had the right tools. Um, and so we love those opportunities of working with companies that provide great service. They have a good environment. They treat their employees right. They do everything right after they ring the doorbell. Now I just have to match up how they look with the reality of what they actually provide and then it's like a home run i mean that's that's the ideal scenario is you make them look as good as what they actually provide dan as you speak i can't help but compare this to how someone might be a really nice person but they don't present themselves well in public so let's say they were looking for a date they're a really nice person they'd be a great mate but they just don't look good you know, they, yeah. need, they need to yeah. brush their hair, brush their teeth, yeah. put on some nice clothing and get rid of that beater car and drive something respectable because that says a lot about you. Right. The car you drive says a lot about you. The 
Yeah. yeah. That box truck and that van and that work truck says a lot about you and your identity at your company, your uniform, your website, everything. Yeah. And so what I really like about what you said a few moments ago, and it, it, you know, it hit home and I didn't think about it before, and that is the company culture. Do I want to work here? And I'm working here. We have a change in our branding and I feel better about working here. I didn't think about that extra benefit there. That's just amazing. Yeah, 100%. And to, and to your early point, too, about perceptions, right? If you, if you think about really what all branding is really trying to do is, is all branding does is basically try and control perceptions. It tries to control image. Um, and so the consumers come, come to the table with an inherent set of bias. Uh, it's bias against contractors. Um, and, and the bias stems from just reputation um, within the industry. You know, they've heard stories of people that got screwed. They've heard stories of people who had contractors that didn't do the right thing. And so they approach every relationship um, almost standoffish. You know, they're worried about who's coming to their home. They're concerned about, you know, an honest company, um, you know, making sure that they deliver what they promise they're going to do. And so what we're trying to do again is just have them believe something about you before you have the opportunity to ring that doorbell um, and that's really the most important thing i mean one of the biggest chapters in in the, the book is about consumer psychology and, and how that affects home service branding um, and those are things that guys don't really spend a lot of time thinking about even if you think about mascot design and you think about some of these really really awful mascots that companies use to represent their image and some of them are so masculine in nature you know they they have a big muscled guy and he's carrying a wrench and those things do not play well with mrs jones mrs jones is already scared about who's coming to her home why do we want to have an image that also is threatening to her Right. And guys don't think about stuff like that. You know, a lot of owners don't even don't even they don't stop and think about what is the actual message that this brand sends to a woman. Right. And and so those are things that we want to fix. Those are things that we want to address. We want to make sure that we are controlling that conversation as best as we can. Um, and if I can control the conversation, then I can have Mrs. Jones feel really comfortable that you're coming to our home. I can have her believe that the service that you're going to provide is going to measure up to the to the prices that you're asking as well and that's the other the other disparity that you see is companies are trying to increase average tickets are trying to get paid more for their work um and they can't because they don't look like they deserve to be paid more i mean you show up with a with a white van and a magnetic sign and you tell me how hard it's going to be for you to try to get a higher average ticket for your work Right. I mean, it's it's obviously basic, but the problem is, is most guys don't even realize that if they have a, a, a wrapped truck, that it's not even delivering that brand promise that we want. Um, and so they still run into these obstacles as far as trying to increase average tickets and get paid more for their work. I can't agree with you more. So <laughs> I know so many contractors that are like, hey, I just got this brand new Ford F-350 and it's all jacked up. And of course, you know, we're in Texas here, so there's trucks everywhere and the, the higher up off the ground, the better. And they might, you know, put a simple wrap on it or maybe just their logo here and there. And they think the truck itself is the impression. Well, it's an impression, all right. It's an impression that you're a little guy in a big truck. 
versus yeah. versus taking a basic van, which may not cost much, and putting the right clothes on it or the right wrap, the right imagery. So it's not the wrap. It's not the decal. It's what it says. It's how it's created and what it projects. Don't you agree? 100%. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of those raised trucks, uh, you know, in certain industries, especially and. Um, it's super macho and it'd be super cool for your car show on Saturday. It's just not real super cool on Mrs. Jones's driveway. It's not what she wants to see. Yeah, she wants to see a friendly vehicle that portrays something that is calm, that is upscale, that looks like, hey, I want to pay the dollar they're going to quote me. Because of how, you know, they look. I tell people all the time, if you get on an airliner, okay, let's say you fly United Airlines and you get on and the captain greets you in cargo shorts, sandals, and a t-shirt that has a stain on it. How good do you feel about that flight? Right. Mm -mm. Exactly. Mm -mm. Or how about the plane itself? Maybe. Exactly. You know, maybe it's a 20-year-old plane, which is fine. There's a lot of 20-year-old planes out there. That's not even old for a plane. But they haven't they haven't painted it recently, and it's got scratches yeah. on the outside. You know, how good do you feel about that brand? You don't. You know, United is a premier brand in the airline industry, and they charge for it, but they have a great staff. You know, as I said, Dan, that pilot could probably fly with no clothes on at all just fine. But we want to see them in their uniform, don't we? Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. You know, you laugh. And then the passengers get undressed however they want, but that's okay because, you know, we're okay with that. They're not flying the plane. The same thing goes when we hire a home service professional. We really don't want to hire the contractor. We want to hire the home service professional. We want that individual to be driving up in a nice vehicle. It better not leak oil. By the way, guys, Park in the street. Don't park in the driveway unless you've been invited. You know, wear a nice shirt. Be clean shaven. Just be put together because people are making an impression. They may not even let you in the front door after they see you if you're not looking good. And certainly, as Dan said, you can't charge top dollar. 100%. The white van syndrome. Why is it that everybody gets a white van and puts their decal on it or a magnet? What's that all about? <laughs> it's a sta- well. It, it's a standard color, right? It's the white van. It's always white. It's not red or blue. It's 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 yeah, white. Yeah, it's a van, and um, I can't really explain that phenomena. Um, I I would just say again, it's just lack of lack of information, lack of understanding about how to leverage that canvas. If you, if you think about the cost per impression on a truck wrap versus cost per impression of any other media. Um, like billboards, for example, uh, or even obviously um, online, there isn't there isn't anything that even remotely comes close to the cost per impression that a truck wrap will bring uh, versus any of those other things. Think about how much it costs to rent a billboard for a month and how many impressions that will deliver versus um, a truck wrap that has a five-year life expectancy and how many impressions that will generate over the course of its lifetime. So dollar for dollar there isn't a more effective medium to invest in the problem is is that most people that invest in it are getting something that is not properly designed not properly branded and is not going to deliver the roi that we'd like it to because it's ineffectively composed so 
you know, the biggest challenge with truck wraps in general is you're not going to be able to design an effective truck wrap without an effective brand. Uh, and that's why so many out on the road today are, are essentially, you know, marketing failures from that perspective because they, they do not function well for the environment. They were never designed properly to begin with. Uh, and again, they're not delivering brand promise. So if, if your logo is weak, your truck wrap isn't suddenly going to be strong. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. I, I've gotten to know you pretty well over the past few months, and I can tell that certain things make you cringe on social media, for instance. <laughs> Someone will put up an image and say, what do you think of, uh, you know, of this new look we may go with? <laughs> I can tell already what Dan's going to think. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're looking for already. You're like, oh. And then you chime in, which is fair. And it's got to be tough when you're a leader in the industry. It's really got to be tough not to bite your tongue. And, and that's part of the reason why I wrote the book, because I said to myself, well, is it really their fault that they don't know that what they have is really not going to work or not going to be as effective as it could be? You know, there's if you want to say, well, who's to blame for it? Like, what are the reasons for it? And and you could look within the sign industry and you could say, well, there's a lot of blame that that lands on their feet because these are guys that are supposed to be professionals that are supposed to know how to actually uh, design effective truck wraps and things like that. But the reality is, is, is most of them and there are some really good ones, but most most of them really are in the business of printing something. They're not in the business of designing things, and they're certainly not in the business of designing brands. The fundamentals are just sometimes so severely lacking in terms of uh, legibility, in terms of you know type choices, um, and how a brand should be designed for that medium. So I can't really blame the owner because that would be like, blaming the homeowner for not knowing what his load calc should be for his home. Okay. I don't know what my load calc should be. I don't know if I need a 16 seer or a 12 seer. That's not my job. Right. And it's just like, it's not the owner's job to know how to design an effective truck wrap. But I wrote the book really as something that I hoped would help some of these, some of these owners. Right. So, you know, it's, I don't think there's a book that exists that really deals with this topic specifically for the home service industry. Uh, at least I'm not aware of one if there is. So I said, you know, even when those posts come up, Jim, like I'm sort of excited and it's not because I'm going to get rich selling books because believe me, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever recoup the cost of writing a book. But it's more so that maybe I can help somebody not waste five grand on a truck wrap that is basically destined to fail you know, destined to not deliver what it's supposed to do. And so if I can direct someone to, you know, read the book and understand how this is supposed to work, uh, they'll be better educated on the process. Even if they, you know, not everyone can use kick charge and, and, and that's fine. But if I can help the industry as a whole um, elevate themselves and, and help, you know, make their brands more professional and learn what it takes to build a more professional image, then that's my legacy. That's, that's what I, that's what I, that's why I'm doing this. If that makes sense. No, absolutely. Branded, not blanded. Dan Antonelli is the author from kick charge creative in New Jersey. And he's going to be making his rounds this fall. You might be able to see him at, events like Vertical Track, and I think you're also going out to Vegas soon as well, and you'll be signing books at those events. 
Correct. Yeah, I'll be at um, Service Rocket in Vegas on the 20th of October, and I'll actually be speaking at Service Roundtable um, in Tampa on Wednesday the 19th, I think, or the 18th uh, for Service uh, Service World. So, yeah, it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, and Vertical Track, October 12th through 14th. I'll be there as well, and uh, you can meet Dan, go there, and get registered, by the way and pick up one of his books, and he'll sign it for you. You can also, in this podcast, there is a link, and you can order the book directly from this podcast, or you can simply go to Amazon and get the book there. Where else can they get the book, Dan? They can get it from from me directly. It's kickcharge.com forward slash books. There's a link to buy the book directly from me. Um, it's a little bit cheaper than it is on Amazon, and plus you'll get my amazing signature on the book, which is uh, sure to be worth hundreds, uh, I'm sure, very soon. Well, I do have one <laughs> with your signature on it, and I'm going to be putting in a glass case after we <laughs> do the podcast. It This really is its a substantial book. What I mean by that is because it is glossy color, it's, it's kind of a heavy book. It has heft. So that's what I mean by substantial. It's nice. It's an easy read. The lettering is of, of good size. The font size is great. Lots of colors. Lots of cool graphics. It is certainly, it's almost like a catalog as well. So if you want to get some ideas, go through the book and take a look at what Dan has done for a lot of home service companies you'll get some ideas. And I'm sure this happens, Dan, where someone says, you know, I've seen what you've done for Tommy Mello, and I've seen what you've done for this guy and that gal. Can we do something along those lines? You know, that helps you a little bit to get an idea of what they would like. Is that ultimately advice you take from them? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining me, and I'll see you out in Phoenix at Vertical Track. Awesome. Can't wait, Jim.